He said, to the extent I desire to move through you, you must allow me to cut on you. The Leader's Cut. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Leader's Cut. And let me just say, I know you've been uh, tagging along for the ride the last four weeks, but this is the first time in four weeks, about four weeks, that I've recorded. And so it's it's just fun to be back in the saddle. <laughs> but once I tell you, and, and you saw on the thumbnail what we're talking about, listen, if you had the guts to even click play, I'm I'm impressed. Like I, I, I just, I'm so grateful that I get to be a part of a family that embraces conversations like this. But I, I wanna tell you how I got here. All right, so let's pray, uh, and then I'll give you some context for why we're talking about doing hard things, all right? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your presence in our everyday lives. Thank you for your presence right here, right now. Wherever they are, you are. And I pray we never lose sight of that or take it for granted. God, this isn't a one-way conversation. It isn't even a two-way conversation. This is a three-way conversation. And so we invite you in, not because you need an invitation, but simply so you can hear our hearts say, with everything in us, we want you to be a part of this discussion, and we even more so want to be a part of a discussion that you Grab hold of and take wherever you want it to go. So Holy Spirit, as we have a hard conversation about doing hard things, would you just pour the oil of heaven over our time together? Cut on us where we need it most. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, first let me say, I didn't really want to teach this, and as a teacher, communicator, uh, sometimes the hardest messages to preach or hardest lessons to teach are the real-time ones you're living, uh, that you know the Lord is trying to get at something, but have you ever just kind of felt where you, you he was trying to dig in deep into your heart and you're like, uh, I, I don't want to go there? That's kind of where uh, Holly have been and I have been a little bit. And uh, we feel like, and I'm not going to be too specific. Maybe I will if it goes a certain way and, and everything um, goes this direction. But I want to walk you through a, kind of the perspective and the way the Lord has walked us through um, his request to do a really hard thing. Holly and I, my wife, and I... Um, have sensed for some time that the Lord was asking us to do a really hard thing. And when I say really hard thing, what I, what I really mean is from my perspective, now the Lord might disagree with this, but from my perspective, this is the hardest thing he's ever asked me to do. Hands down. It, it's, in my opinion, harder than uh, getting married and building a godly marriage. It's harder than church planting. It's harder than... Uh, working in difficult places when I was younger. It, it's harder than anything he's ever asked me 
to do. And um, it, it all kind of started with a question and a tone. And we'll kind of get to this in the third point that I'm going to bring up. But some time ago, I felt and Holly felt the Lord ask us this question. And I'm going to try and do justice to the tone that I and, and she felt him ask this question with. He brings up this really, 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 really excruciatingly hard thing that came out of nowhere for us. And I'm not saying it's harder than what anybody else would do. I'm just telling you from my vantage point, hardest thing he's ever asked me to do. And this was how he did it. He goes, press, will you do this for me? And the tone, I don't even know how to describe it. It was so sweet from the one I love. And so strong, unrelenting, not moving off the line, but so sweet at the same time that I've been wrestling with this request for several years. And so I want to um, remind all of us of some things related to the fact that I wholeheartedly believe that if we ask God, is this your family, a family in which hard things are done, I think God would say something like this. Oh, you better believe it. In this family, we do hard things. And so I want us to talk about, essentially, a theology of doing hard things in obedience to God. A couple of questions that will come up if you're going to embrace doing the hardest of things that God asks you to do. First question, what does this, why does this have to be my path? God, why does this have to be the, the thing you asked me to do? Two answers. First, I would say, why does this have to be your path? Because Jesus said, Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Okay, the wrong path is a wide path, but also notice, I need you to see this. It's also an easy path. I know our flesh doesn't want to hear this, but trust me, the spirit of the living God definitely wants our hearts not just to hear this, but to live this. And Jesus says, and those who enter through that wide, easy, that, that wide gate and via the easy path, they're many. It's the majority, Preston. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. This, to me, is definitely Jesus saying, I need everybody who follows me to understand in this family, we do hard things. In my opinion, one of the ways you know you might have gotten off track a little bit is when everything is easy. When I look back at my life, just over the last 20 plus years in this line of work, the times it was easiest 
were the times I was probably furthest from him. And, and I don't mean like I was doing a lot of things. Every, I mean, the reason it was easy is I was doing less because I was less connected to him. The harder things have been, typically, the more anointing I was getting to walk in. Truthfully, the only way your path is always easy is when you're traveling in circles. When you're walking on a path, you've traveled a hundred times over and over and over again, and you can do it in your sleep. But I would say, the Christian life was never meant to be executed while we were sleeping. Isn't that the parable of the ten virgins? Jesus is teaching us. Let me tell you one of my concerns. That people can actually be asleep and think they're wide awake. And call themselves my followers. Well then Lord, how, how do I know that I'm not one of the sleeping ones? But Preston, is, are you in a situation where things are always easy? Or are you consistent? Embracing the hard things I lay out before you. This might uh, frustrate some, this perspective I'm about to give you. But here's what I would say. We all need to get as followers of Jesus Christ to the place where we see the hard way as the fun way. Not just the best way. It, it is actually the fun way. It's the unpredictable way. I don't know what's going to happen when I travel the hard, narrow path. I just know I'm going to see God be God. But when I take the, the wide gate and easy path, it's going to be highly predictable. Why? Because God's not on that path. You know you're following Jesus and walking with God when things are not predictable. Now, before you go too far with this and get heavy Eeyore-ish, woe is me, let me just remind you of the words of Jesus in John 16, 33. He said, listen, I've told you all so that you may have peace in me. It's in the middle of conversation. And he says, here's why I want you to have peace. And I've given you a lot of hard things to walk out. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, Preston, because I've overcome the world. In other words, Preston, we do hard things in this family, but remember, we're divinely enabled to do hard things. And the proof, take heart, I've overcome the world. The one you walk with does not look at what he's asking you to do as hard or a heavy weight to carry with you. I've overcome the world, Preston. And in this family, we do hard things. Jesus said it time and time again. Why does the, the hard path have to be your path? It's not because you're better than someone or your call is better than everybody else. The call to hard things is actually for every child of God. Here's the second reason why I think we have to do hard things in this family, God's family, because Jesus did. Jesus didn't just say do hard things. He did hard things. I know I don't have to remind you, but let me just draw your attention to the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke 22. Starting in verse 41, Jesus walks away about a stone's throw from Peter, James, and John, and he kneels down and he prays. Jesus says, Father, if you're willing, 
please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently. Look, look at that. Jesus was given even more strength. He prayed more fervently with that more strength. And Jesus was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Isn't it amazing that our Jesus didn't just take the call to go to the cross, lay his life down for you and me. He didn't just take that call and go, oh, okay, sure, Father, whatever you want me to do. Jesus is wrestling with the Father in the garden, so to speak. Saying, Father, this is Preston's perspective and paraphrase, Father, I don't want to be the one to drink this cup. In my flesh, I don't want to have to be the one to do this. I want it to be done. But this is hard, what you're asking of me. And he wrestled for long enough to be able to say, but not my will, yours be done. But again, even after he said that, he was travailing so much and wrestling so much so that his sweat was like drops of blood. Here's, here's something that kind of comforts me. It's actually okay to, from time to time, have a Garden of Gethsemane experience. God, in his grace and love for us, makes room for us to wrestle a little bit. And I don't mean like wrestle him to the ground. I mean wrestle in our hearts, in his presence, saying, God, I don't know if I want to do this hard thing you're asking me to do. And here's what I would say. If you aren't saying, Lord, take this cup from me, can you really make the case you're actually following? Here's how I would say it. Believers in Jesus know Jesus did the hard things for them. But followers of Jesus do the hard things for Jesus. If you aren't saying, I don't want to do this. If all you find yourself saying it is, oh, this is what I want to do more than anything all the time. You're probably not doing everything God's asking you to do. And so it's, it's actually a healthy thing every once in a while to go, Lord, I don't want to do this. If I'm not saying, Lord, I don't want to do this, is that just evidence that everything I'm doing is simply what I feel like doing and nothing more? And let me also say this. Once you've settled in your heart, you're supposed to drink the cup, so to speak. You give up the right to keep talking about how annoyed you are that you have to drink it. <laughs> this is something the Lord's teaching me real time. Preston, if you say yes to this, and, and we've settled this in our heart, we're saying yes to it. But while I was wrestling, while Holly and I were wrestling with the Lord over it, literally we sensed him saying, once you settle in your heart, you're going to drink from this cup because I'm asking you to. You need to understand, you are giving up the right to keep talking to me or anyone else about how annoyed you are that you have to drink it. What does it look like when you actually do that? And, and by that, I mean, what does it look like when 
you make a decision to drink from the difficult cup, but you are annoyed that you have to drink from it. Well, here's what it looks like. Bitterness. It looks like bitterness. And let me just remind you, the call of God on your life and the things God, the hard things God will ask you to do are not a bitter cup or a bitter pill to swallow. Your call isn't bitter, but your perspective might be. And, and this, is, this one is a cut. This one might sting a little bit. Your obedience, my obedience, is never complete as long as you have bitterness in your heart while you walk it out. That's not complete obedience. We can, with our feet, with our hands, with our mouths, say, Lord, I'm going to do this, but have such ought towards the Lord in our heart and such ought towards the call and the request that we can, with our hands, feet, mouths, lives, look like we are saying, Lord, I'm doing this. But in our hearts, we are constantly saying, I'm so annoyed I have to do this. Hey, listen, when I roll like that, that's not complete obedience. That's bitterness with a hint of obedience. Why does the hard path have to be our path, yours, mine? No, because Jesus said it. And secondly, because Jesus lived it. Here's the second question we really have to talk through. As, as we wrestle with going all in and, and doing the hard and hardest things God asks us to do. The second question you'll find yourself asking when you realize how hard it actually is, is can I even pull this off? <laughs> so Holly and I, uh, we took a little trip together at the end of our time away. And it was just the two of us for five days. And this, this issue that I'm I'm alluding to is what we talked about most of the time. And so in the beginning, we're talking about why do we have to do this? I mean, we we already knew we felt like the Lord was asking us to. Why do we have to do this? And then after we kind of settle in the coming days, okay, we're doing this. We're saying yes. We we will do this thing, this hard thing, this hardest thing so far God has ever asked us to do. The next question we both got to almost simultaneously was, can we even pull this off though? And here's the whole point. No, no, I can't. She can't. You can't. We can't pull it off in our own strength. And let me just say this to you. The measure of anointing you seek is always outside the boundaries of where you feel most comfortable. I'm not saying I like this kingdom principle, but I'm just telling you, this, this is how it appears it works. Just ask Moses. Listen, Moses, um, I got some really hard things I need you to do. And I know I could ask anyone, but I'm asking you. And Moses says, but I can't even talk. It's Moses' way of saying, Lord, I can't pull this off. 
Why would God ask you or me to do something we can't actually pull off? The answer is it's a divine setup. But let me give you what I think from God's perspective. If we asked him the question, God, why would you ask us to ever do something we can't pull off? What's your why? I think he'd have two answers. Here's the first one. And I think he would say it like this. Because you bring me glory. When we do together what you cannot do alone. Think about Peter and Jesus walking on the water. Jesus calls him out to the water. Peter says, if it's you, call me, bid me unto you. Call me out on the water with you. Jesus says, come on, bro. Preston's paraphrase. And then what happens? My perspective, I think Peter started looking at the waves and having this thought. I am completely incapable of walking on water. This isn't going to work. And then it leads to, how has this happened? And I just think as he's entertaining those questions that I personally believe the enemy was bombarding him with, in part, he started to go beneath the surface of the water. But I believe it started with a thought process. I can't walk on water. I can't do this. Peter's there starting to think he's drowning. And I think he's looking with his eyes right into Jesus' heart going, can I even do this? And as he sinks, Jesus reaches out his hand. And I think Jesus, this is Preston's paraphrase, what he was communicating in that moment was this. No, but yes. <laughs> Peter, no, you can't walk on water alone. But yes, if I ask you to, I will with you. And you can together. Alone? No. Together? Yes. Jesus didn't want the narrative of Peter walking on water to be, look what Peter can do. And this is true for your calling and mine. Jesus wanted a question, I believe to be asked, how in the world could Peter walk on water so that Jesus could give the answer? Me. How in the world can Peter walk on water in this moment? Jesus would say, moi. Me. How can Preston do X, Y, and Z that he's doing that everybody else knows Preston isn't capable of? Jesus says, moi. How can Sarah do what she's doing when nobody around her thinks she's capable of pulling this off, and yet she is, it's simply so Jesus could point and go, moi. Jesus says, listen, when my followers do things that they're not able to do alone, people will start to get the memo. They can only do that because of him, Jesus. And that will cause them to go, I must know more. If this is the Jesus that can help Peter do that, walk out his calling, this is the Jesus that can help Preston walk out his calling. If this is the Jesus that can help Brad walk out his calling, I need to know this Jesus because I know all those humans and they're not capable of pulling off what they're doing alone. 
So I need to get to know the one, capital O, who is in divinely enabling and doing it with them. Okay. So why would Jesus, why would God ask us to do hard things? Because we bring him more glory. When we do with him what we cannot do alone, it brings him glory. But let me give you the romantic why. Okay. I think the first is kind of a strategic why, but let me give you the romantic why. If we ask God, why would you ask me to do hard things? Here's the second answer I think he'd give us. Because you always have to lean on me when you can't do it without me. <laughs> I, I love it when he talks like this. Now I'm learning, there's a part of me, my flesh, that hates it when he talks about these kind of things and talks like this. But deep in my heart, the little boy loves it every time the father talks to this little boy like this. Preston, one of my favorite things in all the earth is when you lean on me. Can you see how romantic this is? The God of the universe is literally saying, I so badly want to be with you that I intentionally ask you to do things you could only do with me. Yes, Preston, I, I want more glory because when I get more glory, more people see me and I draw more unto myself through it. But that's, that's not the entirety of my why. Part of why I ask you to do hard things that you can't do alone is because when, when you do something you can't do by yourself, in your strength, you lean on me. And I love it when you lean on me. I don't often uh, necessarily bring up names, but one of uh, the people that Holly and I love in our life, um, in our lives, is Carrie, Job. We love Carrie. Uh, I've gotten to be around Carrie for a long time. I'm not bringing up her name because she's Carrie. I just want to give you my perspective because as I've watched Carrie for the last 25 years, um, clearly the call on her life was very evident and visible to many early on in her life. But I, I just want to give you my perspective. I'm just using Carrie as an example because I know many of you know Carrie and the incredible oil of heaven with which she does what God has called and asked her to do with. So I'm just using her as an example. Here's my perspective. <laughs> I kind of think the Lord looked at that little girl years ago and said, you chase me like very few who have ever lived. And I'm not going to give you this worldwide call as a reward for chasing me the way you do, I'm going to give you a worldwide call and worldwide influence because I so badly want more of our alone time together. Carrie, for the rest of your life, I'm going to ask you to do really hard things, whether it's write a book or write a song or sing a song everyone will sing in churches all over the world, no matter what it is. Carrie, I'm going to ask you to do a lot of hard things 
And I want you to know my romantic motive. I so badly love our time together that I'm going to keep ramping up the hardness of the things I ask you to do. It's not punishment. It's, it's not unfair. It's actually romantic. John 15, verses 4 and 5. What does Jesus say? Abide in me. I, I want to tell you my heart, Preston. John 15 is one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. Preston, abide in me. And I in you. I want to abide in you, Jesus says. Then he teaches us the essential nature of abiding. And what is abiding? Abiding is literally leaning constantly. When I lean so much on him that I am abiding in him, it's a constant lean, a connection that I refuse to see broken. And listen, Jesus teaches us on the essential nature of abiding. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, Preston. This is how I set it up. It's not just that that God wants a bunch of fruit, and that's why he set it up this way. It's actually, I believe, that God so badly wants to abide in us and we abide in him that he set it up where we can't actually bear any fruit without abiding in him and him abiding in us. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him. Notice Jesus doesn't just say, well, Preston, I want to be your crutch. I want you to lean on me. No, he goes so much further than that. He who abides in me and allows me to abide in him bears much fruit for without me. And I love these words without me, you can do nothing. Number one, why would we ever want to do anything without him? Isn't, is it not the most amazing thing we will ever know that the God of the universe would not only ever want to partner with us, but when we get a revelation of why he wants to partner with us, because he just so overwhelmingly overwhelmingly loves being with us that he set up the whole system that we can't do anything apart from him. (laughs) It's not a control freak mechanism. It's actually a romantic lover saying, Preston, I I don't want to do anything. I don't want anything to be done separately. And it's not even so much about what you do, Preston. I want you to focus on the without me part, not just the you can do nothing. Because I want to do it with you. Why is the hard path our path? Jesus said it was, and Jesus walked it out. But then when you get to the place where you go, okay, I'm going to walk it out. Can I even pull this off? No, not alone. Together, yes, but don't just settle for that understanding. Go further into what I believe is his romantic why. And you've heard me say it before. I personally believe there's a romantic why for everything God does. He's the God who is love. 
That's not emotional love. That's the type of love that my limited mind can't wrap itself around completely. He so badly wants to be with us and for us to want to be with him that he set it up where no, we can't do it without him because he just so badly wants to do it with us. I know it's hard to think that, that God looks in your direction and says, I so badly want to be with you and be connected with you that I intentionally lead you through hard things and ask you to do hard things. I know that can seem frustrating, but if, if, if we get frustrated, and I'm not going to lie, Holly and I were both at times a little frustrated that God was asking us to do this on its merit. And it's not about the thing it involves or the, the person or people it involves. It's not about any of that stuff. It's just looking at all the factors and going, I, I don't even think I can do this. And the Lord's like, no, you can't. Preston, it's called a divine setup. <laughs> just, and I, I hate to say things like this out loud when I know he's listening to what I'm saying. But there's just something amazing when he says, can you please do this really hard thing for me that I know scares you to death when you get a revelation of his why behind asking you? Oh, my word. He's not asking me to do this because he's mad at me or he's punishing me. In asking me to do this hard thing, he's actually drawing me closer to his side if I say yes. <laughs> and I think the enemy gets us so focused and fixated on the, the what God's asking us to do rather than being reminded of his romantic why. Can you do this? Can I do this? No, not alone, but yes, together with him. So first question you, you kind of, uh, I think is normal to ask is, why does this have to be my path? Second, I think it's totally normal to get to the place once you settle, okay, I'm going to embrace this path. I'm going to do the hard thing and hard things that must be done in order to walk out this hard thing that he's asking. You go, can I pull it off? But then once you realize, well, no, I can't pull it off, but together we can, and you settle that in your heart, then I think you get to the third question. Why would I do this? Why would I reorient my entire life? I was on a particular path that was headed in a direction doing all of these things, feel like I, I had a plan going back to my late teen, early 20s years. And now you throw the ultimate curveball. So I, I understand why you're asking me to do it. I understand it's hard enough I can't do it without you. But I need to settle in my heart if I do this why am I doing this? And let me just tell you, and this is where it might get a little bit raw. Uh, I'm not saying this is the way. I'm just telling you this is where I got. Okay. Let me personalize it. Why, why would I do this? 
Why would Holly Knight even, even do this? And here's the first of two answers. Because he asked me to. I've tried to shake for a couple years a moment I had at a movie theater when this originally started to go down. And during the movie, I snuck away to the restroom and not trying to give TMI. But I'll never forget. It was the first time I felt like the Lord said, will you please do this for me? And I mean, it, it sat on me. I, I felt the weight of what he was asking me to do. I wasn't ready to admit it. I wasn't ready to talk about it. I wasn't ready to embrace it. But I could not shake. And truthfully, for the last couple of months, if I were to be honest, and the elders would tell you, I've, I've kind of been trying to shake this and convince myself, no, this is someone else's path. But I haven't been able to shake that I know. And I'm going to use a, a strong word, but I don't want to. I don't want it to sound hyperbolic. I felt his presence so strongly in the restroom, Preston. Yeah, I know. It was not. I didn't see it coming for sure. But I know I experienced this undeniable presence. It was like a visitation. I'm not saying I was physically visited by the Lord. But I'm saying it was so real to me in that moment that it was undeniable. And I still know. Because I, I still cannot accurately convey the tone with which he said, will you please do this for me? It was so sweet. And any attempt to try and describe it would, would just, it, it would fall painfully short, terribly short in describing what I felt. And here's essentially the way I would describe the tone. Preston, to the extent that you love the one who asks for something hard, that is the extent to which you will go to give it to them. And I remember, I remember when the Lord asked Holly and, and me to sow my salary, the equivalent of my annual salary in, in the early days at Gateway, and it scared us to death. And we wept as, as we let go of the, the check and the commitment. But I'm telling you, I found myself saying, God, just ask me to give a big number. Ask me to give a, a number bigger than we've ever given. Ask, ask that hard thing of me. Just, just ask me to write a check. I'll write a check. I'll, I'll sell my house. I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever. But this, this is more expensive. I don't feel like I have that in my account. I don't have the ability to 
write that check to you? And how do you shake when the Lord just keeps looking at you with those eyes? It feels saying, I know. Do you love me? Yes, of course I do. Will you please do this for me? And then, of course, I'm reminded of, of Jesus saying to Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, of course, you know I do. Feed my sheep. And for me, it's kind of Jesus knew the end from the beginning. He knows the end from the beginning. He knew the path and he called the shot. He knew Peter was going to betray him. And he knew how Peter would wrestle through that betrayal. And I just wonder if Jesus isn't in part, and I'm just reading between the lines, I wonder if Jesus isn't in part saying to Peter, listen, after what goes down and the choices you make to betray me, go down. You're going to wrestle with the call in your life to feed. But I just want you to remember when you're overwhelmed and you feel unworthy and disqualified, Peter, I need you to boil it down, not to what you're doing, but I need you to boil it down to loving me. Because I know deep down, Peter, you love me. I know. And that's what I want to motivate you when you push through the hard things to feed on my behalf. I'm telling you, it is absolutely normal to get to a place in your relationship with the Lord where he says, I'm going to ask you a hard question. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Okay. To the extent that you love me. That's the extent to which I'm going to see you go. And do this hard thing I'm asking of you. <laughs> well, I'm not telling you I always love it. And I, I definitely don't always understand it. Why God asks us to do such hard things. I mean, my daughter asked me <laughs> over the summer, Daddy, why does it seem like our path is the hard path? And, and she was talking about our family. And I said, honey, it's, it's not the Morrisons that are called to do hard things. It's the children of God. That's the call on all of our lives. And if everything I'm doing is easy, I cannot be convinced that I'm fully walking out my calling. And, and you need to know, you can't convince me. If everything is easy, that you're walking out fully the call of God in your life. It is meant to be hard, and I'm trying to help you understand why. But we all need to be reminded. When we say yes, what's our why? It's not fruit production. It's not proving something. It's not becoming famous for something. The motive behind it is our love for the one who asked it of us. Peter, if you love me, you'll do this for me. Preston, if you love me, 
you'll do this for me. Let's just hit the pause button for a second. Let me just be personal since for me, this is a two-way conversation. And, I, and so there are times I know I'm not hearing you talk, but I feel like I, I hear your heart in, in much of our, our dialogue, uh, whether it's in comments or DMs uh, on social media. And so I feel like this is a two-way conversation. Let me, let me just say, um, I... while I don't want to, in the flesh, do something. The Lord, you know how he is. He'll play a little jokey joke on you and just flip the script on you. Because I said, Lord, why? And I literally asked him, Lord, why? Why would I do this? Why should I do this? Do you love me? But then... He got specific with me and he goes, Preston, I've been telling you since you were a boy that the way I would measure your life is by clean hands and a pure heart. What did I go on record saying? Pure and undefiled religion is. And then he finished the sentence. And it was like he pointed at the hard thing and then he pointed at the thing he wanted most from me. Clean hands and a pure heart. And he goes, Preston, this is part of that path. And there's a measure of what I want to happen in you and through you that cannot happen on this path to purity if you don't embrace doing this really hard thing I'm asking. I think there's a second, why would I do this? There's a second answer. And I know on, on merit, I know on the surface that all of us kind of know this answer. But I don't want us to act like it's just something we know. And it's, oh, yeah. Why would I do this? Here's another answer. Because Jesus did it for me. Why would you do this? Because Jesus did the hard thing for you. He didn't just say do hard things and he didn't just do hard things. It's so much better than that. He did the hard thing for me, for you. Let me just give you context to how hard it was because I know he made it look easy, but he let us see what went down in the Garden of Gethsemane, I believe, so that we could see, yes, he made it look easy, but it was expensively, extravagantly difficult. Philippians 2, verses 6 through 8. Though Jesus was God, Jesus didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, set them aside. And he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Why? So that when he appeared in human form, he could humble himself in obedience to God and die a criminal's death on a cross for you and me. 
one of the hardest things when God asks us to do hard things is to really remember. You think it was easy for him to send his son? I can't wrap my mind around sending my son to die for you. To die in your place. I, I can't. I literally cannot wrap my mind around. Sending my son to die for you. I can't wrap my mind around sending my son to die for me. When we get a revelation of how hard it was for the father to send his one and only begotten son, setting aside divine privileges, becoming human so that he could die for humans like me. One of the things we always have to remember, if we ever ask, Jesus, why, why should I do this really hard thing you're asking me to do? That his response usually involves these words. Because I did it for you. I did it for you first. I did something much harder than what I'm asking you to do. I don't want you just to do this for me. I want you to remember I did much more for you. And this isn't too much, Preston, for me to ask of you. I'm just telling you. Uh, these are big boy, big girl conversations. They just are. And it was, I think sometimes people are like, I wonder what the pastor did while he was out for a couple of weeks. I want, you know, I mean, well, but he was playing golf every day. Um, little fishing, a little wrestling, a lot, a lot. At the end of the day, when the one you love has done many hard things for you, and when the one you love asks you to do hard things for him, we might wrestle for a bit, but here's what I know about you. Just like me, you might wrestle on the front end touch, and the wrestling might last a couple years. And some of my wrestling has in the past. But here's what I know. You wouldn't be watching this if you didn't ultimately get to a place, even if it was in a touch of resignation. Okay, Lord, I'll do it. This is the family we're in. And this is the call on all of our lives. In the family of God, we do hard things. Can I just tell you how much it means to me that you would 
run together, that you would let me run with you, especially when I feel like God fairly consistently asked me to say and submit some fairly hard things. And I say that before we go into this next moment. To appreciate you before we make room for God to ask anything of us. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute? And can we just take a few moments to make space to ask this question? You ask it in your, your own way, but essentially here's how I would ask it. God, what's the hardest thing you're asking me to do that I'm trying to pretend you're not asking me to do? Spirit of the living God, would you invade wherever they are right now? Would you invade it? Invade their space? Would you become so tangibly present that they could sense you right here, right now in this moment? God, what's the hard thing you're asking us to do? Holy Spirit, would you help each one of us? Even, even if we have to wrestle a bit in the garden, would you help each of us get to the place we know we must get where we say, yes, Lord, I'll do whatever you ask. I will do this hard thing. Whether it's forgive someone who hurt you terribly badly many years ago and and the number one thing you don't want to do is release them or maybe it's a completely new line of work based around the call of god in your life not just a measure of oil he gave you access to in a past season Maybe it's to adopt. Maybe it's to serve. Maybe it's to give. Maybe it's to take in. 
someone in need. Whatever the hard thing is, know this, it's not the last hard thing he's going to ask you to do. But never forget part of his why for asking you to do this really hard thing. It's because you can't do it by yourself. You will only be able to do it with him. Why did God set his family up to be a family which always does hard things? Simple. Not easy. Simple. Because doing hard things mandates we do them with him. Holy Spirit, help us. And would you give us what we need to be able to give the Father, what he's asking of us. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you so much. I love you so much. And I love, uh, as hard as they are, having hard conversations um, together. Because if God's in it, I love the fruit of it. And... I just want you to know I'm praying for you. It may not be by name, but I'm praying for you. The Spirit of the living God will pour the oil of heaven over you and divinely enable you to do the hardest of, of things in this season of your life more than any season so far in such a way that it would bring him more glory, but also bring you more close. I love you so much, and I can't wait to see you next week. God bless you. See you then.